Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. So I woke up this morning on mountain time. So when I was going to bed last night, uh, my wife said to me, I think I'll change the clocks before I come to bed. And I said, that'd be great, honey. So this morning, have you ever had one of those panic moments? You wake up in the morning and you think, I'm going to be late for something. Like, I'm going to miss a big test. I'm not going to show up for that thing, that appointment that I had. I had that moment this morning when I looked over at my clock and saw it was like 6.45 in the morning. That's way later for me than what I typically get up on a Sunday morning. So I saw 6.45. I had that panic start in my heart. Grabbed my phone and it said 4.45. And I didn't trust either. So I Googled it. And I went to Google, and Google, I just simply put, what is the local time in Dayton, Ohio? And it said 4.45, and I thought, great. I got a little more time to sleep. By that point, I was so wired. Like, there's no going back to sleep at that point. So that's how my morning started. My wife gave me permission to share that story. I learned a long time ago, get permission from your wife to share stories like that. Well, this morning, we're so glad that you're here for this uh, final installment of our series, Living on a Prayer. We reached the summit this morning of our series. And uh, so if you are here for the first time this morning, uh, no worries. You can go out to our podcast. You can listen to all of the previous talks. This is our eighth week in our series. But we're gonna wrap this whole thing together this morning in one final verse that we read in Matthew's gospel. But before we go there, let me tell you where we're headed. Next Sunday morning, I'm launching a brand new series It will be the final series of 2019. Did you hear that? Like, this is it. Like, 2020 is just around the corner. Hard to believe. But we're going to start a brand new series next weekend entitled, It's Possible. We're going to build the entire series on a verse of Scripture that appears several different places in the New Testament And it actually appears in a variety of ways, but it it all basically says the same thing. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, did you know that that is the state motto for Ohio? Many people don't know that. Did you further know that we are the only state in the union, Ohio is the only state in the union that has a Bible verse as its state motto. Our state motto in Ohio is with God, all things are possible. So I often tell people, Ohio is the promised land. (laughs) I say it jokingly, but that that motto kind of supports what I do believe. I've been here since 1986, this has been home for me since 86, and I believe in Ohio. I also believe in what God's word says, that with God, All things are possible. It's more than a motto for us. And so we're going to take a series and we're going to talk about all the things that are possible because we are with God. This morning we come to this final verse. Think of it as a footnote to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm just curious here, by a show of hands, how many of you learned the Lord's Prayer with those words in it? Can I see your hand? If you learned to pray or think about the Lord's Prayer with those words in it, probably about half 
of our, of our congregation here this morning learned the Lord's Prayer with us. And the reason not everybody has is because some versions of the Bible, some translations, don't actually have those words in it. They may have a footnote that actually says in it that these words do not appear in the earliest manuscripts. And while that is true, these words are believed to have appeared in the most reliable manuscripts. So I often have people ask me, you know, what version of the Bible do you use? And my answer to that is it all depends on what I'm doing. So if I'm reading to get a new perspective on a verse of scripture, sometimes I'll go to the living Bible or to the message or the contemporary English version of the Bible. If I'm reading devotionally or for meditative purposes, I'll often go to the New International Version or the New Living Translation. One of my new favorites has become the Passion Translation. But if I'm reading for study, if I'm preparing to speak, if I'm wanting to get back to the original, to the author's original intent in the scripture, I often go to the New American Standard Bible. When I was in Bible college and studying for the ministry, in theological training, one of my uh, tracks was Greek. And so I was learning the Greek language. And one of my assignments in my Greek class was to actually study various translations of the Bible and then figure out which one was most accurate to the original. And I came to the conclusion during that time that it was the New American Standard. I went to my professor and he concurred. He said, when you're looking for the original language, as close as you can get, the New American Standard is always a good one to go to. So this verse, this part is included in the Lord's Prayer in, in the New American Standard Version. And so I've included it in our series. And I believe it's a significant part of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I think this particular footnote that Jesus adds to the Lord's Prayer, I think actually does three things. Number one, I think it summarizes succinctly the Lord's Prayer. If you read the Lord's Prayer, you'll find it's about three things. It's about kingdom, it's about power, and it's about glory. Those are the three things that the Lord's Prayer are really all about. So this statement summarizes the Lord's Prayer. The second thing it does is it frames it. You could actually begin the Lord's Prayer with that statement, and you'll notice that everything else collapses from it. Because you can link everything in the Lord's Prayer to the kingdom of God, the power of God, or the glory of God. The final thing I think it does is I think it punctuates the Lord's Prayer. This places an emphatic exclamation point on everything that Jesus has been teaching us in the Lord's Prayer. And what it does is it actually ends the Lord's Prayer where Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer. He begins the Lord's Prayer with God. He ends the Lord's Prayer with God. He really says this, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about what I'm trying to do here on this earth. And I do it through you. But never forget what it's all about. And so Jesus, I think, is making something very clear that the Lord's Prayer is really all about God. It begins with God, it ends with God, everything in between points back to God. So this morning, I wanna unpack those three words. I wanna unpack that word kingdom and power 
and glory. Because I think what we'll see is this wraps everything together that Jesus has just taught us when it comes to prayer. So let me first of all say, the kingdom of God. The goal of the Lord's prayer is the kingdom of God. That's the goal. When Jesus comes, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, he told us to pray by way of invitation. Your kingdom come. And I shared that week that the kingdom of God is life as God intends it. So the word here that's used for kingdom is the exact word that Jesus used earlier in the Lord's Prayer when he said, your kingdom come. But here he says, yours is the kingdom. What Jesus is doing here is he's making something very clear. He's making it clear that the Lord's Prayer is not about our little kingdoms. It's not about what we're building here on earth. It's really about one kingdom, the kingdom of God, capital G, capital K. You see, what we tend to do is we tend to make prayer about building our own life, getting our own answers, figuring out what we want to do, and then asking God to bless it. And God is saying, when it comes to my kingdom, it's about what I want to do on earth because I am the one who created the kingdom. And listen, I am the one who populates my kingdom. I will defend my kingdom and I died for my kingdom so that my kingdom could be placed into human hearts who would then become people who would be ambassadors, agents of my kingdom, living out their lives for me here on the earth. That's not often how we think of it. We often think of God blessing what we're doing. Instead of saying, God, what are you blessing here on earth? And let me align with it. Let me, let me get in line with what you're already doing. Instead of saying, I want to do this, bless it, God, it's saying, Lord, I want to just move in your direction. Now, I think the kingdom of God is really about God's authority here on the earth. And I have been uniquely struck as I've come back to the Lord's Prayer. I prayed at the beginning of this series, Lord, give me fresh eyes to see what it is you're trying to teach us when it comes to prayer. Give me fresh revelation so I would understand some things I'd never have seen before. And, and so as I came to this, I've been impressed and particularly struck by two things about the Lord's Prayer. I've been struck by the ease with which Jesus prayed. I think it's what captivated the disciples. He was, he was so con- comfortable in the presence of his Father. So he prays with ease. But I'm, I'm also particularly struck by Jesus' boldness when he prays. I'm struck by how he asks God for things, but the way in which he asks God almost feels instructive. You ever notice that? Give us. Forgive us. Deliver us. There is both an intimacy that he has with the Father But there is also a sense of authority as he prays to his father. And I think this is really important because Jesus prays the way he taught. The way he came to the earth is exactly the way he prays. Mark's gospel chapter one tells us how Jesus taught. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. Now notice, the people were amazed at his teaching. What were they amazed by? His content? He was teaching the same thing the teachers of the law were teaching. 
They were not impressed or struck, and all struck by his content. What they were struck by is that he taught with one who had authority. So Jesus actually is teaching the word of God in a way that's different from the, the teachers of the law. They had no substance to what they were saying because their life was not living what they were saying. They did not speak as Jesus did, as one who actually was the author of the word. Like he comes and, and speaks as one who actually understood what he was saying. Because he did. He is the word. When Jesus prays, he does the same thing. He actually comes to God with a sense of understanding of who he was. This is really critical for us to see. This is the idea we have when we talk about God being one in Trinity. God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit. Though Jesus is fully integrated with God as his Father, he's also fully separated from his Father. Like he is living as a true adult self who understands who he is and he understands what's been entrusted to him. And because of that, there wasn't an arrogance with which he, he taught. There was a humility, but a confidence and an authority. I think he prays the same way. Not an arrogance, but with a sense of humility, a sense of gentleness of heart, but a confident sense of who he was. Jesus does not approach God as a helpless child who is completely dependent on his father. He actually approaches God as an interdependent adult who says, I am dependent on you as you are dependent on me. I was struck by this when I met with my spiritual director for the very first time, 18 months ago, I began to meet with a spiritual director. I wanted someone who was above me in their ministry experience, somebody who was beyond me in their walk with God, somebody who could help inspire me and help me find my way in my relationship as I'm growing in Christ. And I was struck in one of my very first meetings of my spiritual director by the way he prayed. He prayed with such humility, such gentleness of heart, but there was almost a directiveness to the way he spoke to God. And, and it caught my attention, so much so I journaled it. And I remember coming to this in my study. And I remember being struck by how Jesus prayed. I think my spiritual director was praying the way that Jesus prayed, the way the disciples learned to pray when they came to God as Father. And I think it's important for us to see that. So I want to leave you with a question as it relates to the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, but here's the question. Do I pray as one who has authority? Do I pray as one who understands my authority? It isn't yours, it's God's. He gave it to you though. And he says, I want you to pray with that kind of confidence when you pray in a humility and in a gentleness of heart, but in a recognition that it's his kingdom, but he's entrusted it to us to steward here on the earth. So the goal of the Lord's prayer is God's kingdom. The purpose of the Lord's prayer is power. That's the purpose. It's power. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. I think if we were to sit with the first century disciples, the first followers of Jesus, and I think if we were to ask them the question, can you tell me, what was the secret sauce to Jesus' ability 
to do the Father's will. How is it possible that Jesus could overcome so many obstacles, including so many temptations he faced? How is it possible? I think they would have given a one-word answer. They would have said prayer. That was the secret sauce. Because prayer both enables us and it empowers us to do things that are humanly impossible. There are things in our lives where we are simply weak. We are incapable. But guess what happens when you are empowered by God? All of a sudden, your weakest moment becomes God's most powerful moment. Your greatest limitation becomes God's greatest opportunity. It is those moments in our life where we feel so weak, powerless. We cannot do anything. But something happens when we lean into prayer, when we lean into God. Something powerful happens. So, so this word power is an interesting word. It it's actually appears a lot in the Bible. But there are different words that are used for power, but they often speak to one of two things. They either speak to God's power or they speak to human power. So they speak to human strength or God's divine strength. And it all depends on where the word appears. So here's a great example of it. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, what's interesting is the word power that appears there in the Hebrew is a word that is referring to human strength, human ability. Now, what's so unique about this particular word is it's used elsewhere to speak of the strength of a small reptile, like a tiny lizard. So my wife and I love to vacation uh, down in Destin, Florida. It's one of our go-to couple places that we go. Um, And we always love watching these little lizards that are the red-throated lizards. They get up on the sides of the, uh, you know, of the railings and they come up to your table if you're eating and you see them out in the, you know, walking on the pavement, wherever you are, they're in the pool, near the pool, they're everywhere. And what's so interesting about this is that these little lizards, so small you could crush them with your feet. But as soon as you walk up near them, all of a sudden they have this red throat that just starts to come out. The purpose of it is to intimidate. Let you know how big they are, Right? They get all puffed up, like, look at me. Don't you dare even mess with me. I don't think that it's accidental that God uses the same word for human strength that he uses for the strength of a small reptile. Because we do the exact same thing, don't we? How often do we like to look powerful? How often do we like to look strong? How often do we try to intimidate people with our own might? And what the Lord is saying here is it's not by your human strength. Your human strength compared to my strength is like the strength of a small little reptile. You may look big and courageous, but at the end of the day, you can get stepped on. It's so easy. And so I want you to compare this with what Jesus promised us. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, when he ascends to his father, here's what he says. I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. That word appears 120 times in the New Testament. 
It's a word from it's a word that from which we derive our English word dynamite. It means dynamic power. Never refers to human power, always refers to God's power. And what the Bible says is this, it isn't by might, it isn't by our human limited strength, it's by the spirit of God. And when the spirit of God comes upon us, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we are filled with God's spirit. Here's what it says. It says, you will seize power. Or it could also read, power will seize you. Either way works, because both happen. When we pray, particularly when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are actually receiving the Lord's power. Because when you pray the words that Jesus gave you to pray, you are receiving the power that Jesus promised. And he said, listen, the, 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 the purpose of the Lord's prayer is not to puff you up. It is to make you strong in my power and in my might. It's to give you my power. So I, so I want to ask you two questions as it relates to the, to the power of God. Where do you need to exercise God's power in your life? Where do I need to exercise God's power? Because there are places in all of our lives where we need God's power to come to bear on us and our weakness. That's why Paul said, when you are weak, you are strong because God's power is made perfect in your weakness. I am at my most powerful when I'm at my weakest, according to Scripture. So the goal of the Lord's Prayer is God's kingdom. The purpose is God's power. But the result of the Lord's Prayer is God's glory. It's God's glory. So it's an interesting word because the word glory here is the word from which we derive a word, an English word, doxology. Some of you who come from liturgical church backgrounds recognize the term uh, doxology. For those who don't, the word simply means praise, uh, usually in the form of a song of praise. And so that word doxology is an interesting word because it comes from two Greek words that mean to see God appear, to see God appear. When we pray in alignment with Jesus, God becomes visible. God actually begins to appear. You actually begin to see God showing up in your own life as you pray. And how do we do this? We do this as the scripture teaches us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of of lips that openly profess his name. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The word here means to actually ascribe worth and value to God. When we praise God, we are ascribing worth and we are ascribing value to God. We are actually giving God what he already possesses, but we're acknowledging it. How do you give glory to God? He already has all the glory. 
But it is our way to acknowledge what we already know, that God has all the glory. Let me tell you why I believe Jesus stops here. Why does Jesus land this plane of prayer on the platform of the glory of God? Here's why. Because he knows our tendency to take credit for what belongs to him. Listen, prayer gives us everything we need, but prayer gives God all the credit. In other words, we're not going to share in anything that belongs to him. And you say, man, Pastor Gil, I've never done this. I've, I will never take credit for something belo- that belongs to God. We do it every day. In, in reality, we do it so often we don't even recognize we're doing it. It becomes such a natural part of our lives where we think we have produced something. We have done something. Look at what we have accomplished rather than recognizing that all the glory goes to God. Isaiah chapter 42. Let me leave us with this. Verse verse 8. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. This is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, I think it's our chance to remember and then to verbalize how thankful we are that God has invited us in to receive all that we need from him. The pressure's off of me. Pressure's off of you. When you pray, you don't have to feel the pressure or the burden to make things happen. God already said, listen, I've got it because mine is the kingdom. I'm doing it for my kingdom. Mine is the power. It will flow in you as you pray and mine will be the glory and I won't share it with anybody else. It all belongs to me. And so this morning, I want to leave you with this question as it relates to the glory of God. Where in my life have I taken credit for something that God deserves? Where in my life have I taken credit for something God deserves? And let me follow on with another question. Am I willing to give it back to him? Am I willing to give it back to him? Your power's not yours, it's God's. Your bank account's not yours, it's God's. Your physical strength, that's not yours, it's God's. Uh, Your job, the provision, everything God's done, all glory be to God. That is our doxology. That is how we sing and how we end in our time with the Lord. Is that, Lord, it all belongs to you and we give you full credit for everything. Even though I have everything I need, all the credit belongs to you. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning as we close and we're gonna do something we haven't done in the Lord's Prayer in this series we've been in called Living on a Prayer. Many of you are familiar with this because you are from a background where praying the Lord's Prayer was a regular occurrence. So for you, you're gonna feel very familiar. This is gonna feel like you're coming home this morning in some ways, and I'm glad. For others of you, this is gonna be a little foreign. It's gonna feel maybe a little bit staged. But I'm gonna ask you to make this your own today as we pray. Would you do that? Would you say, God, I wanna make this my, because this is what he told us to pray. The disciples said, teach us to pray. This is what he said to do. And so as we pray this, we are actually praying with Jesus.
That's how we're praying. We're praying with Jesus. So can we lift this up together? Can we lift up our voices together and can we pray this with Jesus as he's taught us to pray? Let's say it. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that you would let those words be more than words to us. May our hearts and may our lives be filled with the confidence of what you've told us to pray. May we walk in the humility of recognizing that nothing we do and nothing we have that we've produced, but you've done it for us. You have made it possible by your power working in us for us to achieve or perform in any way that we have. And so we don't take any credit. We give it to you, Lord. I pray that as we've talked about throughout this series, that we would do more than learn a prayer, but we'd live on a prayer. Let us live this prayer out in our lives, every single day of our lives. May it be a place that we can come back to often and remember how you've taught us to pray. We thank you for taking the hard work out of prayer through this prayer. You've given us a language for it, and you've given us a way to speak the things that matter most to your heart. And so, Lord, we, we just lift up these words to you. We thank you for this prayer, and we thank you for enabling us to live it out in our everyday lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for being here. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.